It's good to see you all here this morning. We are continuing a series of lessons we've been doing on becoming a person after God's own heart. And it follows the life of David, King David, is talked about in the Old Testament, because he was a man that God said was after his own heart. And so uh, we're going to continue that series this morning. And the title of the series, of the lesson of the morning, is Covenant Keeping. Covenant Keeping. I'd like you to imagine for a little bit this morning that you grew up in royalty. You was a royal, you had a royal birth. Wouldn't that be awesome? Your grandfather was high king of the land. And your father was a prince in line to become king after him. And you very well might be leader of the land someday. And you lived a life of luxury and relative comfort. And then one day, a new king rose up in the land. And it threatened your, your family's rule. And your grandfather went to war against this king. And it didn't go well for your family. Your grandfather was, was killed. He died in the war. And so was your father and all of the, the king's sons. In fact, the only reason you didn't go to war was because you're crippled. Both of your legs are lame. And so you couldn't fight. And it turned out you were the only one in your family that survived. And now this other king is ruling the land. And so you would live in fear every day. Because everyone knows when a new king comes in and takes over, he doesn't leave the heirs of the previous king alive. Because there may be people still loyal to that family. And that heir could rise up and become king again. And so they always have these people killed. And so you go, you're trying to hide. And then finally that day arrives that you had been dreading. There's a knock on your door. And it's the king's guards there, ready to take you to the king. You can't run. You're crippled. And so they carry you to the palace. And they set you down there before the king, this new king. And as you lay there, face down, prostrate before this new king, you hear him call out your name. And as you look up, you see what looks like compassion in his face. As he looks down and says to you, do not be afraid. 
I am giving you all of the land that was your family's land. And you will sit at my table with my family continually. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Well, this is the scene that was recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 9. The young man was named Mephibosheth. And he was the grandson of King Saul. And the king, of course, was David. So why did David do this kindness to Mephibosheth? Why did he act like this toward him? Well, if you remember, we began this series talking about how King Saul angered God because he would never do what God told him to do exactly. He just kept going his own way and doing his own thing. And over and over again, he just ignored God's commands. So God finally said he was going to take his kingdom away from him and give it to a man after his own heart, this young shepherd boy named David. And David lived with Saul and his family for a while, and they got along great. But God was with David, and he wasn't with Saul anymore. And so David was much more successful in battle than Saul and his armies were. And that made Saul jealous. And he was so jealous, he wanted to kill David. He wanted him dead. But you see, David had become really good friends with one of Saul's sons, whose name was Jonathan. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 1 says that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan gave David his sword and his armor and his bow and his belt. They were, they were good friends. And so when King Saul secretly got his sons together and plotted with them to have David killed, Instead, Jonathan went and found David and told him about it and warned him he needed to hide. And you go and hide and I'll go to my father and I will plead for you on your, for your life. I will plead on your behalf for your life to my father and try to convince him not to, not to harm you. And so Jonathan goes and begs his father not to hurt David. And he, he tells him, he tells him, David hasn't done anything wrong to you. In fact, he has been helping you. He has aided you over and over at the risk of his own life. Do not shed innocent blood with no cause. And so Saul finally relented and agreed that he would not kill David. And so everything was fine after that for a while. But then there was another war 
And again, God was with David, and he was very successful in the battles. And Saul got jealous again. And once again decided he wanted David dead. And so David ran and started hiding from Saul. And he went and found Jonathan. And he asked Jonathan, what have I done? Why does your father hate me so much? He wants to kill me again. And Jonathan said, oh, you, you must be mistaken, David. He wouldn't do something like that. Not without telling me first. I think you've misunderstood something. And David said, no, I swear it's true. He wants me dead. He said, Jonathan, there's, there's but a one step between me and death right now. So Jonathan said, okay. Just tell me what you want me to do for you. Whatever it is, I'll do it. And David said, well, I'm going to hide for a few days. And when Saul sees that I'm missing, and when he asks you about me, tell him that I requested to go back to Bethlehem to see my family. And if he says, oh, well, that's fine, he'll be safe. Then I was wrong. I have misunderstood this whole thing, and you were right. But if he gets angry at you, then know that he intends to have me killed. Jonathan says, okay, I will find out, and then I will let you know. And David said, well, if you come and tell me, what if Saul gets really angry at you? I don't want him mad at you, Jonathan. So they came up with this signal that they would use so that Jonathan could secretly tell David whether or not he was safe or not. And then they go into this field and they make a covenant between them, a sacred vow between them and God. And Jonathan promises that he would make sure David knows what his father's plans were. But he knows, Jonathan knows that God is fighting for David. And, he's, and he tells David that I know that God, I know God is going to destroy all your enemies. And he knows that that could include his father as well. And so Jonathan asked David, he says, when, when God wipes your enemies off the face of the earth, remember me. Remember me and my descendants. And keep us safe. And don't, don't let us perish from the earth. And so David agrees. And he says, yes, I will do this. And they make this vow between them. And then Jonathan goes 
back and after two days and David isn't never comes for supper, Saul starts to ask about him. And he asks Jonathan about David. Jonathan says to his father, Oh, yes, David requested that he be allowed to go home to his family in Bethlehem. And Saul is furious. And Saul accuses David of choosing, or accuses Jonathan, rather, of, of choosing David over him. And so Jonathan begins once again to plead for David's life. And this time Saul isn't hearing it. He picks up a javelin and throws it at Jonathan and nearly kills his son. And that's when Jonathan knew there was nothing more that he could say. And so he goes out into the field where David was and he fires three arrows into the field. And then he shouts out this signal that they had agreed upon telling David to run, to flee. He's coming for you. And so David runs. And Saul pursues David across the land until finally, finally God allows the Philistines to come and take him over. And the Philistines wipe his army out and they end up killing them all and they kill uh, his sons including Jonathan and Saul is injured so bad he takes his own life and so God destroyed then all of David's enemies off the face of the earth just like Jonathan said he would and in 2 Samuel chapter 8, David is sitting on the throne of Jerusalem as high king. And it says in verse 15, So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. David is now safe and sound. And he has everything he wanted. But he is greatly troubled in spirit. Because he keeps thinking about that covenant that he made with his friend Jonathan. To keep him and his descendants safe. The vow he took in that field he wasn't able to save Jonathan. But maybe he has descendants still alive. And so he starts asking about his descendants. And one of the old servants of Saul said they were all killed except for one. There's one left. A crippled boy named Mephibosheth. David told his guards to quickly go and find him and bring him here. And so they do. And they bring him in and, 
as David sees this, this son of his dear friend trembling before him. He keeps the vow he made to his father. He restores all of his family's land. Tells them he was going to take care of him continually. And this boy looks up and he replies to David, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Mephibosheth knew. He knew that he was good as dead that day. And he didn't know the reason why David was treating him like this. This was something no one knew. This was a vow made between David and Jonathan that no one knew about. But David still kept it because you see this vow, this promise, this covenant, it had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. This covenant was made between David and the boy's father before he was even born. The Apostle Paul, at the beginning of the epistle to Titus, says these words. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began. Our faith, our hope in eternal life rests on a covenant God made before we were even born. Before anyone was born. So who did God make this covenant with? Who was with God before time began? Well, we can read in John chapter 17 what Jesus said to God as he prayed with him, Jesus said to God, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus was the one who was with God before time began. Jesus was the one who God made the covenant with. That if Jesus would die for people, if he would die for the people who believed in him, who called on his name, 
who trusted in him, who followed him, if he would die for them, then God would save them. And he would give them eternal life. And they would sit in his house, at his table, forever. This isn't something you deserve. It isn't something you could earn even if you tried. And on the day of judgment, when you are called before the king, you will know for certain what you are. A dead dog worthy of death, of eternal death, because of the sin that you intentionally commit. And you will know that. And you will know you should have that. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you trust in Him, if you wear His name, if you call on Him, if you follow Him, Jesus already told us what He will say to you on that day. In Matthew 25 and verse 34, Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Two things I would like for you to take away from this lesson this morning. Covenants and vows are extremely important to God. And God expects you to keep your vows. Are you keeping the vows that you have made in your life today? Some of you might have taken wedding vows at some time. Are you keeping those? Do you remember what you said? What you agreed to? What you promised to do? Do you remember? Are you keeping those vows? You might have taken vows, made a promise to God when you were saved, when you obeyed the gospel. Are you keeping that vow? Are you keeping your promises to God? Because God expects you to. These things are important to Him. And lastly, I want you to know that God will always keep His covenant. God will always keep His promise. You can be more sure of that than anything in this world. And you can be confident. Be confident in your salvation this morning. Knowing that the promise of eternal life is not about you. It's not about your righteousness or lack thereof. 
It's about the righteousness of God's Son. And the covenant that He made with His Father before you were even born. I hope that this sermon has been encouraging to you this morning. As you follow Jesus in this life. We're going to sing an invitation invitation song. I encourage you to think about how you're living your life. And how you are following Jesus this morning. And about the vows that you may have made in your life. And if you are keeping those promises. And if you'd like the prayers of the church on your behalf this morning, please come forward, sit on the front pew as we stand and sing.